Hey, Philo community. Whoa, it's May already. That means Philo conferences this month, just a few weeks away, two weeks. Crazy. I mean, as you can imagine, since we do events, all of us, uh, yeah, we're full tilt trying to make it happen. And you should know that the Philo team, I mean, we love the technical artist community because we're a part of it ourselves. And we can't wait to see everyone at Philo 2019 this year. You know, the people on the Philo team, they're the ones who are really killing it. And not just because they're killers, but because they want it to be amazing for you. So that you and your teams can go back to your church more effective, essentially better versions of yourself before you came to Philo. Chelsea, Sarah, Jody, Caleb, Joanne, Nate, Delwyn, Aubrey, Dave, and myself have really ramped up the meetings and the intensity as we're getting closer. And I cannot say enough good about this bunch of people. I mean, they make up the core of the Philo team and nothing you will see or experience happens without these quality people giving it their all. And so when you come to Philo, make sure you thank them for all they do. All right, if you have no idea what I'm talking about or what Philo is, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. And we do that through the Philo Conference, this podcast, and in other ways like Philo Coaching and tons of resources that are available on our website, philo.org. All right, if you've been with us for a while, this all sounds nice and familiar, like, I don't know, your favorite PA tuning song or... Nice and warm and cozy, like 3,600 degrees Kelvin. Uh, if you're new, yeah, welcome. We hope that the Philo Podcast becomes those things for you too. On this episode of the Philo Podcast, I had the pleasure of chatting it up with Brad Zimmerman. You know the one. Yeah, that one. He's the creative director at Watermark Church in Western Michigan. He's a trainer with renewed vision for a pro presenter. He's also owner of the Church Media Drop, giving away resources left and right. Anyway, we sat down in November of this past year and talked about a bunch of stuff. So let's stop with me talking and we'll get to it. Hey, Brad. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, going pretty good. It's cold this time of year. I don't know when this will broadcast, but uh, how are you holding up over there in Michigan? You know, uh, winter came sooner than we all really wanted it to this year. I'm one of those people who chooses to just say, winter comes, I have to deal with it, so let's just make the most of it and not like get freaked out by it. But yeah, sure. My lead pastor hates Christmas or not Christmas. <laughs> he hates winter. And so right. he complains about every snowfall that we get. And it just makes <laughs> me laugh. And somebody posted on Instagram. They're like, if you can't find joy in snow, you're still going to have snow, but no joy. And I like right, sent right. it to him. And it's like, you probably need this mind shift in your life. So that's right. You can make, this is a choice you can make. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I'm a huge fan of the, uh, of the cold either, but if it's going to be cold, I'd rather there be snow on the ground. Same, so, same. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So Thanks for making time for the podcast. I thought it would be really cool for us to just kind of talk. I mean, it seems like you're doing all kinds of different things, so I'd love to talk about all of them. But uh, maybe we could talk about your journey from uh, how you got involved in production to what you're doing now. I know that's kind of a, a wide range, but... Yeah, well, I mean, I guess uh, my simplified version of how I got started in all of this is they didn't play enough DC Talk in youth group. And so I wanted to be the DJ so that we okay. could hear more Jesus Freak because they only played it like <laughs> once a night. And I wanted to hear that song over and over again. 
And so, Understandable. Uh, so I started learning how to use some gear so that I could play the music that I wanted to hear. Uh-huh. And then my uh, youth pastor slash worship leader slash does it all guy, you know, that we all had uh, back in the day. Uh-huh. He said, can you turn the treble up on my guitar? Um, and I said, what are you talking about? I have no clue what you're right. saying right now. And that was the beginning of me learning sound and all of that kind of stuff. As a high school student, we, in the midst of the worship wars, uh, started a uh, contemporary alternative uh, service. Wow, yeah, okay. And uh, I was the head production guy. And so I ran sound every single weekend for that uh, service and was kind of like the production lead for that uh, split in like a a thousand person church. And so we had, you know, a a decent size uh, service of that when we did that split. Um, and so that was when I really like got to take a lot of ownership and, and get really started in that. Also doing that for our student ministries while I was in high school. Wow. Okay. And when I was, um, man, probably a junior or senior in high school. So this is uh, just around 2000. I went to a Willow student conference okay. and uh, sat in the Lakeside Chapel in like the back area that doesn't exist anymore. I think <laughs> right. it was where the like lounge with all the sweet uh, donuts and all that stuff oh, were sure. yeah, this right. past year. <laughs> I, I was sitting back over there and felt a call to full-time ministry oh, wow. um, at that conference. Wow. And felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing production and art and design and all of this stuff for the local church to help people find Jesus. And so uh, that's where I like felt that call the first time. And um, as a senior in high school, uh, my student pastor, um, our high school student pastor uh, said that he was going to be leaving to do a church plant and asked if I wanted to be a part of a church planning committee team to help uh, see what it would look like to plant a new church in our town. And so me and a bunch of adults that were way older than me, (laughs) I felt very young, sat down together and started working on what it would look like to start this new church. In the midst of that conversation, I went to a local community college and found out about this uh, digital arts college in Florida uh, called Full Sail. I went down there and got a degree in digital media. And while I was down there, I uh, volunteered at this church that I just like randomly found online. It was called Northland. Okay. And Northland is in the metro Orlando area. And uh, the first Sunday that I walked into this church... This will all make sense at the end. So sorry for this long (laughs) rabbit trail here. The first Sunday that I walk into this church, I'm used to like a decent sized church, like a a good mid-sized Midwest church of like a thousand people. So we had like, you know, uh, 400 people in a a service on a Sunday or something like that. So I show up at this church and it's like a thousand seat room. So it's a, a lot bigger room than what I'm used to. And I sit down, I'm a musician, I play a bunch of instruments and I do sound and all this other stuff. So I, I know my stuff of what to look for and listen for when I walk in. Right. And I, like the band starts playing and I hear an acoustic guitar and I look up on the stage and I, I don't see one anywhere. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Where's this acoustic coming from? And uh, back then, tracks weren't really a thing, so that wasn't part of my like thought process of like sure. maybe this is just fake and it's just a track, right? And so that <laughs> thought wasn't there, and so I'm like looking around. Then I look up at their screen and I see an acoustic guitarist playing on the screen, and I'm like, that guy's not in this room. Where is that person? Okay. And I find out that that guy is in a high school a mile and a half down the road. Jeez. Um, be- 
because Northland, and this is in 2003, yeah. Northland um, had uh, connected multi-site campuses. The main site and the high school were connected through a fiber optic line that they laid between the two buildings. I think they were doing like 32 or 64 channels of bi-directional audio Whoa. Uh, b- b- between the two places, plus they were doing video between the two places. And I don't know exactly... I think they were t- maybe just taking a switched shot from the high school because there's somebody there who ran switched, and then there's somebody in the main room who was switching. Okay. Um, so I can't remember if they were actually sending multiple video channels back or if they were just sending one from the high school and one over. So I, I can't remember how the video side worked. But they were playing to a unified click between the two rooms, and they were playing wow. live together in the, in the, in the two different rooms. That actually expanded over time while I was there to, I think, four or five different rooms that were all unified. Wow. Um, I mean, thinking like, about in 2003, I mean, that's serious technology. Yeah. I mean, it, and just for, for anyone who's, you know, I'm, I just turned 35 recently. So anyone who's around my age, just remember YouTube didn't exist until 2006. <laughs> so uh, just to put it in perspective. Right. Oh, and, and even and thinking w- the iPhone, yeah, 2007, right. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it, it's, you know, mind-boggling what they were doing at that time. And I, I mean, I remember a Sunday morning, I was at the high school there, and they had set up a screen on stage in the middle of, so they did like partial bands. So they would have a big, huge full band in the main spot. And then the high school, we would okay. have like a drummer, acoustic guitarist, a few vocalists, and then we would pull in stems from the main room. So wow. if we didn't have an electric guitarist, we would pull their electric guitar. If we needed some more vocal backups, we would pull in the vocals. We wanted that extra keyboardist or organist, we'd pull that in. And uh, this particular week, they were doing a full choir. Okay. So they had a, well, you can't, you got to keep the choir together. You can't split them up. So what they did is they uh, had a dedicated video shot of the choir on stage in the main room. And then they set up a projector and a, a, a back projected screen on stage in this high school auditorium. And that shot was just the choir. So we had the <laughs> virtual choir okay. at the high school wow. along with our band. And so that week we, you know, it was, it was this crazy fun week with virtual choir on the stage and all that kind of stuff. So while I was down there, I volunteered at that church. I did set up and tear down at the high school every Saturday, getting ready for Sunday morning for them and was doing that, uh, volunteering on, outside of going to school there. I got paid to work a couple weekends for oh, them nice. okay. uh, during some holidays and stuff like that and had some really awesome mentors, Neil Morrison, Sean Dabrowski, who were there that were just awesome guys that helped train me and, and teach me tons of cool stuff. So I say all of that, the willow part and that part to say that uh, I started uh, back back at that time, uh, you know, YouTube didn't allow long form video content. Okay. And so the only way to do like long form video stuff was to do a video podcast. And so I started a video podcast, I think in 2005 or 2006. Oh, wow. Okay. Called churchmediadesign.tv. And the reason I started it was because I got this really cool education. I got to work at some really cool places. I got to experience a lot of amazing stuff. 
And I knew there was a ton of other people out there like me who were like wanted to do some stuff in their local church, but they had no idea where to start. Right, right. There weren't websites, there weren't resources, the conferences really didn't exist at that time. And so I started this video podcast to like help train people. And uh, I did it uh, back then. This was when like ZDTV was around and, you know, some of those, I don't know if you remember these I don't, tech. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. These, uh, it was like uh, some, yeah, and like uh, Techzilla and uh, <laughs> this, this Week in Tech with uh, Leo Laporte. These were like the only like tech shows around. And so I modeled it after that. So there was kind of like a, welcome segment. And then we moved into another segment that was a tutorial and we did some inspiration, gave away a freebie. So it was like an hour long deal most of the time that was split up into these different segments. And so that was what my video podcast was. Oh, wow. And were you doing that while you were working somewhere else or that was like just as you were a student? Yeah. So I, uh, I, when I came back from school, they couldn't afford to pay me at the the church plant that had started while I left for school. All right. And so I was just a a volunteer. Um, Luckily, I could like stay at home, you know, it was in my hometown. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have like lots of bills and all of that kind of stuff. So I was volunteering. I started getting paid like intern pay, you know, at the church, just like a little bit here and there. And then I was doing this video show um, in the midst of all of that. Um, so I'd be up, uh, we, we tried to do it weekly. Um, that was our goal. And so I'd be up on Friday nights until, you know, one o'clock in the morning on my makeshift green screen and my lights from Home Depot. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then we'd be editing all day Saturday and Sunday to get it up for Monday and then do the whole thing over again. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a crazy, crazy journey uh, over that time doing all of that stuff. And is it the church media design? Was that something that, I mean, doing a weekly one hour show on video sounds like a lot of work, which it was. Yeah. 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 Especially when it was green screen. Right. And so then did it come a time where, you know, as your, maybe the responsibilities at the church plant became more and more that you just had less and less time for it? Or how did, how did that kind of Change. transition. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one, I got married. Oh. Um, and so <laughs> there you go. my wife has been super supportive the whole time, but there's also this thing of like, I don't just have all night after work to do whatever I want with. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a wife and then I eventually had a, a daughter and stuff like that. And so um, as those things started to happen, uh, nine years into our church plant, we uh, bought a facility okay. and we did most of the renovations on our own. And so like I painted almost every square inch of the building that I'm in right now, (laughs) you know, uh, we installed it all and and did most of it ourselves. So in the midst of all of that, just time got less and less and I had less and less time to do it. I was also like blessed with some other opportunities along the way. And so uh, Renewed Vision had hired me to do all of the pro presenter training stuff because of what they had seen in my video show. And so I started doing all the pro presenter videos for pro presenter five and then pro presenter six. And so, yeah, just time started to run out. And so a couple years ago, I decided, you know, I I feel like God has called me not just to the local church, but to um, the big C church to help the big C church. And I, I did that through church media design, but I felt like I needed something new. I needed one. I needed to refresh my website. And uh, in the midst of that conversa- uh, conversation with myself, because there's not really anyone else around, um, I said, like, <laughs> what what is really the goal of this? And like, how can I best resource the church? And so 
I changed the name to uh, churchmediadrop.com and uh, launched a whole new resource sharing site where everything that I create for my local church and anything that people create from other churches can be shared on the site freely. Okay. And so I started, you know, I got my new catalog of stuff. I started asking people to help contribute and uh, launched that site about two years ago. Okay. And how uh, how's it been going? Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Somebody pushed me and they said, you know, you have to have like, what's your, what's your goal? What's your five-year vision? All this kind of stuff. And and I really hated those conversations. (laughs) I come from a church where like, we don't really care about attendance numbers. We kind of buck the system on a lot of these metrics that people use because they don't really have any, a lot to do with usually people becoming um, followers of Jesus, being disciples and discipling others. And so like uh, some of the traditional ways of thinking are not like a normal thing for my everyday work life. Sure. Okay. And so when that question came up, I was like, I I hate this question. I don't want to answer it. But I was like, you know, it's probably a good idea. If I don't have a goal, I'll probably stop caring as much about doing it. And then I'll have a site that ends up like my last site where when I started to run out of time, I didn't post stuff. I didn't, you know, stuff didn't get up and the site slowly died. And I didn't want that to happen. Right, right. So I looked at my stats and I had figured between conferences I had spoke at and downloads on the website that I had resourced maybe about 10,000 churches. Oh, wow. With churchmediadesign.tv. And I said, well, let's make this a God-sized goal. And what if I multiply that by 10 and say, I want to resource 100,000 churches. Okay, wow. And so that was my goal when I started Church Media Drop, that I wanted to see 100,000 churches resourced, whether that be through uh, the people when I go to places like Philo and get to speak at conferences and get to talk to people there, or uh, whether it's through uh, a series package or a motion background or a tutorial um, from through ProPresenter, whatever it might be, uh, 100,000 churches. Okay. And I uh, looked at my stats for the the last year, this this past January, and I had uh, two hundred and thirteen thousand unique uh, visitors oh, to wow. my website this past year. Wow! With with almost two million page views. Um, <laughs> So um, it's incredible. And and I can look back at like uh, Easter and Christmas and look at just the new content for that season and how many people downloaded it. And, you know, tens of thousands of churches are, are being resourced through the site. And I don't say that to like boast. It's not about the numbers, but it's just so cool that God used me and this kid who just wanted to play some more DC talk <laughs> in youth group and started out selfishly wanting to be in control and uh, used like whatever I could and is helping reach and share. Uh, and hopefully tons of other churches are seeing people come to know Jesus because of the way they're being resourced. Yeah. Now is that, I mean, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but it feels obvious to me that your church is super supportive of the time you're spending creating these graphics that they're fine with you giving them away. 
Yeah, for sure. They've. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's part of my job description at the church. Okay, and it's. Uh, but it's the cool thing is like they don't want it to be branded as the church. So like, if I would ever stop working here, they wouldn't hold on to it and say, "Well, that it's actually all ours." Right. And because you are our employee, you know, it's it's none of that conversation. They they don't want their name on it necessarily or anything like that. Okay. They're just super supportive and and see how it's helping so many other churches and and bless me to do it and and help me along the way. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And the cool thing is I um I really I don't like the site is totally free. I have like one sponsor who helps with a lot of like bandwidth costs and hosting costs and stuff like that. Sure. But for the most part I break even on it. Yep. Yep. And the reason that I can do it is because I get a paycheck from my local church. Sure. Um, right. That right. I work at. And so that's like a really cool way they support me. Right. That is cool. Kind of reminded me, I'd forgotten about this. So when I was uh at Kensington in Michigan yeah. I was doing video shooting and editing for the videos we would show in the service. And back then, it was not a normal thing uh, for churches to be doing. And we happened to have a guy named Dan Mountney who was uh, uh, worked at the NBC station in Detroit. And so he was kind of the storyteller. And we'd go out and tell these amazing stories, and they would show one time uh, at the service. And this was in the nineties. So there was no internet to share it on or whatever. Right. And so we just, every time we'd play something, we'd like, how the heck do we get this into somebody else's hands? Right. And back then it was way more complex. Like we got to make a DVD of it and mail it to them. And yeah, no, it's never mind. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, just, it was too hard to figure out. And maybe we did it a little bit, but it still was never, yeah, as simple and easy as something like your website is, you know, download this thing. Here it is. Right. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's the thing that a lot of churches, uh, there was a church recently who like posted in a Facebook group and said like, hey, we have all of this content and it just like goes on the shelf and we would love to like ha- have other churches like get in touch with it and like be able to use it. And like, we just want to be able to like give back and help resource other churches. Is there like something out there that can <laughs> do this sort of thing? And it was so cool because a ton of other people basically started posting my site and tagging me in it and saying, yeah, Brad started this and go check this out. This is exactly what you're looking for. And so they, um, you know, shared a a Thanksgiving, um, like basically a little mini movie sermon intro deal about thankfulness. Okay. um, That's been downloaded thousands of times um, already this year. Um, And it's been so cool just to see their their first resource and contribution um, being used by so many. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, I would have to say when I left Willow Creek, I was helping a church in the Chicago area and we were working on an Easter program and they really had no uh, budget to spend speak of. And we ended up borrowing a bunch of stuff from Church on the Move who has you know, right. a similar setup where the yep. here's our video that we made and here are all the graphics that go with it. And exactly. yeah, it was so, I mean, they would never have done it in a million years on their own, but uh, because it was made available, yeah, it was, an, yeah, it was a great service for them. Yeah, I love those guys. Their uh, website, if anybody's looking for it, is seeds.churchonthemove.com. Right. Yeah. So good. Now, what exactly is your job description at your church? I mean, you're, uh, you're in Grand Haven. Is that, and you grew up in Grand Haven, Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in West Michigan. So, um, and, you know, moved away to Florida for school and then came, came back. I love it up here. But yeah, I'm the creative director for, uh, Watermark Church here in Michigan. And, 
I've done a lot of different things on the team for about, uh, what is it, seven or eight years. I was a middle school youth pastor as oh, well. okay. <laughs> um, so I did that um, for quite a while. It's only been now a year and a half that I haven't been a uh, middle school pastor. Oh, okay. So I've done, you know, teaching and all that kind of stuff. I didn't go to school for any of that, but um, I had a passion for it and um, we had a need for it. And so I, I did that for a while. But yeah, my current role is creative director um, for the church. And so I oversee everything creative for every ministry area. Um, and that also includes being a TD and doing sound and okay. helping with the facility and <laughs> all sorts of different stuff. I'm I'm like an innovator kind of th- uh, thinker who always wants to improve. Okay. And so I'm always thinking of how to improve in so many different areas. So I kind of I kind of end up helping out in a lots of different places. Right. Doesn't sound like you get bored easy. I get bored when I'm given like one thing to do. Like, <laughs> hey, you need to sit in your office and like only edit videos. And I'd be like, oh, oh geez. I love videos, but that just, I think that's going to get old. Right, right. Now, I mean, you've been there now since 2003 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, so that's uh, a long time to be any one place. I mean, yeah. and so maybe you maybe we've already answered this question like how do you uh, keep it fresh? How do you stay engaged at the level you need to for it to make sense for you to be there? 14 years is a long time to be any place. Just curious. Right. I mean, I think the biggest thing is um like what's what's your call? Um, I think it's really easy to get like uh, looped into the tools and to the the creative part or whatever and to like find all of your drive there. But especially um, doing youth ministry for a while and stuff like that. But uh, basically like it, my goal is to help us reach people for Jesus in our community. And um, as I spiritually mature and just mature in general uh-huh. and keep that as the forefront, not like, hey, what new song can we play or what new cool creative thing can we do or how much more budget money can I get to accomplish X, Y, or Z? All of those things end up getting old and don't like have lasting passion. But right. the lasting passion of like, why do we do all of this in the first place? And it's because we want people to find Jesus. We want them to find the hope that we've found. And so if I can keep that in front of me, I don't I don't think it really will ever change. I don't think I'll ever get bored sure, um, or ever want to move on because that's the main thing. And as long as our church is moving forward on that and we're all trying to progress, then it's a place I want to be a part of. Sure. Oh, that's cool. Because I know that, you know, just the week in and week out of working at a church, I mean, you're kind of doing the same things over and over again, and it can get right. very monotonous if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we were uh, set up, tear down in a high school um, cafeteria for nine years. Yes. And then we moved into a building for three years and then launched a multi-site where we now set up and tear down every week. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're back to set up and tear down nice. with, better, with better gear and better systems. But, right. uh, you know, um, we're, we're back into that. all. Yeah, again. I have to say, though, so I was at a church in Michigan and we were meeting in a high school. And I want to say that was good eight, nine years of set up and tear down. And I have to say, I really loved it. Because it was, it all was jammed into one day, yes. uh, and it was over. You know, started right. early, ended late, but it was over in one day. And once you have your own building, now suddenly, I mean, you want the reason you have a building is so it gets used. 
uh, for ministry, which means right. Monday night, Tuesday day, Tuesday night, Wednesday day, Wednesday night. You know, it's just now it's all the time doing things and it's real easy to get stuck, especially for me as the production person. It's like I'm setting up mics for the women's ministry when I should be at home, uh, you know, with my family and, and totally. all that stuff. And it, how has that been for you? I mean, being a kind of a one man show, like ha- making sure that everybody's needs are being met. Uh, has that just been having great boundaries over the years or what's the, what would you say your secret is to staying sane? Yeah. So I don't think great boundaries is a description you would see under my profile picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, if you, especially if you talk to like my wife, yeah, right. or people who know me well, <laughs> so no, it's not that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I easily, I easily or too easily have gotten burnt out over the years. Uh, it's too easy to do too much and take too many projects on and too many things and get too stressed out. So, you know, it's been tough. It is not easy. The one good thing is uh, we've really pushed against like the whole uh, ministry mall um, model that was really popular in churches where there's a ministry for every need that you have. And so you come to the church and there's something for everyone and it happens every night of the week like you're talking about. And so our building gets used a lot, but it gets used for a lot of uh, non-ministry stuff. So we have a laundry mat in our building that gets used Monday through Friday for eight hours a day. Um, where people can come and do their laundry for free that we partner with a local ministry and and host in our facility. And so like that, our building gets used for that most of the time. You know, we're uh, two different voting precincts recently nice, for the election right? that okay. happened. And, and that takes over most of our building. We do uh, all sorts of uh, different stuff, but it's not primarily, you know, like a women's ministry that meets in here and then this other thing that's meeting there. And so luckily that doesn't take up a lot of like production time of me like setting up for different events and different things like that sure. because of the type of usage that our building gets used for. Okay, We have, we have more people spending time doing like uh, we have uh, outside counselors that meet in our building and do counseling in our offices for free and stuff like that. Okay. So trying to get it uh, used in some uh, different ways. Okay. And is your leadership or I don't know who your boss is, senior pastor or whatever, are they pretty good about making sure that you're getting the time you need or the, you know, that you're not burning yourself out or are they kind of more hands off and just letting you figure it out yourself? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm scared to say this cause I don't want to make other people like, <laughs> oh man, we want to like go talk to our leadership, but we have a, a four week minimum vacation every year. Okay. Um, so that's what our starting place is of how many weeks off we're, we're told to take off okay. because um, the goal for us is to work from a place of rest. And so if people take more than four weeks, it's totally fine. You know, there definitely are crunch times like Christmas and Easter and stuff like that where we need all hands on deck. But if anything, the leadership is always pushing for time for me to take more time off right. than okay. worried about me being around. Sure. Nice. When I think back of my days uh, at Kensington, in the early days, there was no vacation policy. And it was, I don't know, you, I don't think you could take as much time as you wanted off, but nobody was worried that you weren't doing your job. I mean, right. there was, yep. you know, 10 or 12 of us on staff. We're all working really hard. And so if you're gone for a couple of weeks, no one's going to say, hey, where have you been? Uh, right. But it was also my responsibility to get it done. Like if I wasn't taking time off, no one was making sure I was. 
that was up to me to figure out. And I mean, probably like you, it's you can't taking a weekend off is not as easy as taking Monday off. Exactly. And so if you're going to be gone for two weeks, you got to figure out how, how, what am I doing this week to take a vacation in three months? Right. Yeah. So that somebody can handle the Sunday load. Yeah, it's not easy. And honestly, they probably put that uh, four-week minimum policy in place because of me. <laughs> uh, you know, right. like we, we want people to work from rest. And so like we want to make sure you're taking that amount of time off because like you said, it's really easy to say like, yeah, take the time off you need. But like when it when you feel that pressure, uh, even if it's unsaid pressure, but right. you just feel that pressure of like, well, I got to get this stuff done. We've got this other thing coming up and I don't want to be stressed out of my mind about it. And so I'm going to work ahead and all this kind of stuff. Right, right. It's really easy to never take time off right? because you're just trying to like make sure you don't have to like cram so much, you know, like right now we're right before Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, usually these weeks are my least favorite weeks of the year. It's like, I got to fit, you know, five or six days into two <laughs> right. or three, yeah. you know, it's like, this is the worst, but it's supposed to be the best. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like, how do you have a great attitude in the midst of figuring that stuff out? And so, I, th- I mean, I think that's a big part of it, but I think it's a really healthy staff culture to have to say, we want you to work from a place of rest and right. we want you to take the time off you need. Yeah, I think even just the fact that you have that phrase so readily available, work from a place of rest, must mean it gets said a lot, which, yeah, I think is super helpful. Again, it's your responsibility, but it's being talked about all the time as opposed to uh, either not being talked about or being talked about in the other way, which is, you know, take less days off and work harder and whatever. Yeah, which I think really can be, uh, you know, if you look at most churches from the outside, it's like, man, they're really killing it. We got to... Uh, you know, pick up the pace. And yeah, it's not always what's going on behind the scenes. And we have to remember that it's not a competition. Right. Either. Yes. We're, we're all we're all called to do different things. And so, yeah, they might be killing it doing X, Y, or Z. But if you look at your staff team and the giftedness of the people that are a part of your, your church, like you may not be called to do what they're doing and you may not need to kill it the way they're killing it and they may be killing themselves but they're hiding it really well right or they've Um, been you know they're further along in their journey and so exactly their christmas this year looks the way it does because they've done 30 before this um that have built up to this point as opposed to year five or six you know christmases no wonder you're not doing that or you know even thinking about uh, the church that you worked at in orlando for them, it was a weekly occurrence to yeah. fiber between campuses and all that stuff. And it was not that it was easy, but it was normal. Right. And they, but they had infrastructure and team members and all that kind yeah, of stuff the, to be able to make it happen. Yeah. The system and process to get it done. And yeah. So if you try to do it, it's, uh, yeah, probably going to be way more work. <laughs> so one, one random thing real quick that I experienced there that just is a mind-blowing one that I, I have to mention in the midst of this conversation is just, uh, so I'm there uh, in 2003, 2004, and one Sunday morning, I like go up into the production, you know, the video switching room, and they're like, hey, Brad, come here, come check out this computer. And I'm like, okay, what am I looking at here? And they're like, check this out. So what you're seeing here, um, you know, our main worship leader, he's not here this weekend. He's at home and he's watching a live stream of of the service. Okay. And I'm like, what do you what do you mean a live stream? <laughs> like, yeah. so like video streaming over the internet, and he's watching live exactly what's happening in the room right now. And I'm like, 
I, guys, I'm I'm not tracking. <laughs> you're like, I mean, it like it did not compute for me uh-huh. at that time because again, this is like 2003, 2004, and they were testing their live stream at that time, which is, I mean, incredibly unheard of, right? Um, right. And so, yeah, just yeah, another now mind blowing experience. Now even I know how to do it, so it must right. it must be super exactly. easy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, maybe just to get back to this idea of not boundaries, but taking time and working from a place of rest. I think it's so easy for us as tech people to to have so much responsibility for the thing we're responsible for. So, hey, if I don't stay long, it's not going to get done. Or, uh, you know, uh, Christmas won't happen if I'm not killing it. Yep. I mean, how have you dealt with that? Uh, Maybe before I ask that question, for me, it's a lot of times you taking on all this responsibility that's really not mine to hold on to. So it's like to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm dying here. Uh, can you help me figure this out? And I I know for me, a lot of times somebody would say, oh, well, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Or I was putting so much emphasis on one thing or two things or whatever that nobody was really even asking for. So I just, I feel like the being able to speak up and say, hey, I, I'm, I need some help figuring this out and not carrying it yourself. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's incredibly difficult. I will be totally honest. I'm, I am still trying to figure it out on a, on a daily basis. I don't know if you've done the, uh, the Enneagram or if you've gotten yep, into any yep. of those conversations, but I'm an Enneagram one with a two wing. Oh. So I'm a perfectionist who likes to help. All right. Uh, <laughs> Look out. <laughs> yeah. So which, you know, will explain a lot of what you've heard so far yeah. from me, but, but it also is really hard because that means when we get to, I mean, even every Sunday, but l- let alone big Sundays like Christmas and Easter, I, like I want to give it our best. I know what I'm capable of. I know what my team is capable of and my volunteers are capable of, and I want them to bring the best that they have. Right. But a lot of times that can be really unhealthy. A lot of times it can be me taking care of things that I shouldn't take care of. Right. And I'm actually stealing away someone's um, contribution. I'm stealing away somebody's ability to grow and learn by me taking it over and making it be the the perfect way that I uh, know it could be done. And so I'm in a, a pretty long term, but it's <laughs> uh, just it keeps getting heated up pursuit of letting balls drop. Right. Because uh, if you can't let the ball drop, then you're going to keep holding on to everything and then no one's growing and you're getting burnt out on both ends. And and so, you know, I, I think that's for me just the constant reminder of I have to let the ball drop and I have to, I got to figure out what's good enough yeah. as well. Oh, man. I think just the so many things you just said on one hand I completely agree with on the other hand it like makes my skin crawl in a way because letting balls drop is so against my I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same. I'm and, I'm having to teach myself how to do it. Yeah, and to say oh that's good enough is also like oh my gosh you're right but I I can't even what does that mean <laughs> really? Right. Yeah, I think so much of what production is about is, I don't want to say perfection, but it's about no mistakes. And so letting a ball drop means the mistake might happen, being good enough when it could be better. Yeah, those are just, those are things that 
it's probably not not something to wrestle with on a weekly basis. It's like a moment by moment kind of a thing, right? In reality, well, and, and I think that's where I go back to what I was saying before of what keeps me here and what keeps me going and what I have to keep in front of me is you have to keep the main thing, the main thing that you hear people say. And the main thing is, are people coming to know Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Are, are people becoming more and more, are there the way they live, the way that they talk to friends, all of that stuff, is that more and more like Jesus? And so if a cue gets missed or a battery dies in a microphone or a whatever, you know, whatever weird train wreck moment that like would just eat you alive and and like you would just like sink back into your seat and want to die. <laughs> like none of, if none of those things are affecting people coming to know Jesus and becoming more and more like him, then that's okay for that ball to drop. Right, right. But if there's other areas, um, and so for me as a uh, Enneagram one and wanting things done well, I tend to be skill proficiency strong and relationally weak. Okay. Or, or, or I have a harder time with relational stuff. And so being totally honest, like I, I've had hard times with volunteers and with uh, coworkers and stuff like that because I want things done well and the way that I interact and talk with people and all of that kind of stuff has not always been the best way to handle things. Okay. And so I think the thing that I've learned and realized is that actually does have a correlation to how people are becoming more and more like Jesus the way in which I disciple and lift up and encourage and be there for people in a relational way, a lot of times is way more important than the task that needed to be done. Right. Now, I still really care about the tasks <laughs> and I still see how they're connected to people coming to know Jesus. And I still see how they create environments where people can um, not have distraction, where they can focus and for one time of the week can actually spend some time in worship or listen to the word that they're not pursuing on their own. And so I see the value in it, but I've also come to learn that um, the way in which I care for my volunteers, the way in which I care and talk to my staff and and everyone around me um, has just as big of a role in in all of that. Right. And I think just to bring it all back to the beginning of our conversation, so when I think about letting a ball drop, if I'm honest, I, I think of it from a passive-aggressive kind of a, a place, you know, like, all right, right. I'm going to let this ball drop. You just watch what happens, which is, you know, so not healthy. But just thinking about giving some of the opportunity and knowing that the balls might get dropped, I just think about like somebody DJing, listen to DC Talk. You know, it's like it, right. it's... If you're not creating those opportunities, then people like you and I have the same kind of story, we would not be doing what we're doing, which I feel like is what God made me for. Right. And it was all because somebody was willing to let go of something and take a chance and know that development means mistakes happen, balls get dropped, but hopefully we're getting better every day. It also means caring for the person because right. if you bring that person in and you expect this high bar because that's where your ministry is at right now. Um, and this is something that I'm still trying to figure out. What does it look like that as our, our churches grow, as our ministries grow, as my technical skill grows, I have a higher expectation on myself, but I also end up having a higher expectation on others around right, me. Right, right. 
And so how do you bring somebody in at the bottom floor and help them grow? And that's where the relational part is so important is that we have to like treat them well and care for them and be patient with them. And like you said, let those balls drop along the way um, and not just expect and force great performance because this is where our bar has been lifted up to. Right, right. I, well, I think about my own time learning and growing uh, when I was in Michigan at Kensington, I was the best option for so many new ideas. Right. Because nobody else knew more than me. Right. And so, you know, it, it was quite awful, honestly, but it was still the best it could be in our situation at that time. And so, yeah, you add up enough of those, then, yeah, the bar gets raised a little bit each week. And then it's harder to figure out how to bring somebody in at the bottom because they don't have the benefit of, you know, just making mistakes along the way because that's the only option. Right. Yeah. But that's a, it's a good thing to be reminded of, of thinking about what are ways we can bring people in where they can succeed and take smaller risks and still feel like they're connected to the group and doing great work and yeah, not failing all the time. Yeah, how do you how do we put volunteers in a place where they're winning yeah. all the time? Yeah. That like I want I mean that's been my transition and thought on Sundays is how do I how do I make sure that my volunteers are winning? And so what can I automate? What can I make as straightforward and simple as possible? How can I teach mixing and how can I teach, you know, all these different things to to new people in a way that they're going to win? So right. it means simplifying a mix for a song to, hey, during this bridge instrumental, this is when you push the electric guitar. Right. And the rest of it, you know, I've set the presets for you and the compression right that you should be able to sit back and not touch too much and you'll be okay. Right. But I want you to win by pushing that electric for that solo. Sure, yeah. You know, and that, and then at, afterwards saying like, man, that sounded great. Didn't you hear that solo? It sounded perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and celebrating that win with them. And it's not easy. And a lot of times it takes extra work in advance and a lot of patience, Yeah. which I'm learning to have great patience, <laughs> but I'm not a patient person, right, you know? Right. So how can we help our volunteers win? Yeah. So good. Hey, thank you so much for making time to talk to us today. And uh, I'm sure we've got a few more uh, topics in us for a later date, but uh, we'll call it good for now. Yeah, for sure. I look forward to uh, talking again. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. No problem. Thanks, Todd. I love this conversation with Brad. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at how much he has going on. I also love that as new things come up for Brad, that he makes choices of how to spend his time. Not just piling stuff on top of more stuff, but being strategic about the best use of the time he has available. So making choices, yeah, stop doing this to start doing that kind of thing. I also love the whole idea of work from a place of rest. I mean, it's such a great phrase to have in our minds. Not easy to do, but good to have just ready and have that be kind of the normal. Anyway, I love his heart for the Big C Church to equip all of us with resources that we might not be able to afford to do ourselves. And as someone who easily gets bored, I'm so glad he's using all this energy to move the kingdom forward for the benefit of all of us. We're about two weeks away from Philo 2019, as I said at the top of the podcast. And if you haven't signed up yet, there's still time. 
We'd love to have you. Brad will be with us. He'll be teaching a few breakouts. Um, And just parenthetically, we have 55 breakouts to choose from this year. You can go to our website to find out all that information. Check out phyla.org to register, see what the breakouts are. You can order food for lunches and dinners if you want there. Anyway, it's all there, philo.org. Again, we'd love to have you. If you like our podcast, you can subscribe on all the places that you can get podcasts from, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, a whole bunch. And we'd love to have you join the Philo community on a regular basis. So subscribe. We'd also love a review. Helps us get the word out. And the important thing about that is it helps us achieve our goal of really helping technical artists become more effective. So share it with your friends. Anyway, you can also find us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. We love feedback, ideas for future podcasts. Shoot us an email, philopodcast at fusion.productions. So this is really the last podcast before the Philo Conference. So we'll see you there. We got a few extra little podcasts probably coming from the conference itself. So until that time, see you later. <laughs>